Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership, where we connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important topics to help us on our journey towards greater significance. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. 70% of people are unhappy at work, and misery at work is expensive. Actively disengaged employees cost U.S. businesses $605 billion each year in lost productivity, retention, and recruitment. Neil Bedwell is the co-founder of Local, where they help companies achieve lasting change by treating their employees as an audience worth winning. For the past 15 years, their clients include Google, McDonald's, P&G, Delta Airlines, and Airbnb. Neil previously worked at Coca-Cola as the head of global digital strategy and was in charge of the digital program for the 2014 FIFA World Cup in Brazil and the creation of Coke's first internal creative group. Neil also worked as a race car engineer for Benetton F1. Our interview will begin right after messages from our sponsors. Have you been wanting to launch your podcast and just haven't found the right resources? I launched Master Leadership Podcast in 2016, and it now ranks in top 1% globally. I've gathered all I've learned and created Master Your Podcast in a Weekend course on Master Your Swag app so that you have everything you need to share your voice with the world, minus those excuses. So download Master Your Swag app on Google or Apple platforms to access the Master Your Podcast course and launch your podcast this weekend. Welcome, Neil Bedwell. How are you? I am doing great. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good to be here. Neil, we're excited to have you. Um, I know that you sound like you're across the pond, but that's not where we're calling from. No, that's right. I am uh, down here in Atlanta, Georgia, but clearly not. That's not where I'm from. Um, But we've been here for 10 years. We love it. All right. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm all yours. All right. So tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now. When you say path to leadership, it sounds like I'm there. And I think I'm still on the the journey. We we Um, all are. We all are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had so many different jobs in so many different places. I'm a big believer in career is a myth that actually we have a number of careers. You have all these adventures that you go on. So I love that. So I have school when I was 16, which is, you can do that in England. They just sort of let you out into the world. I don't know if you still can. It was a while ago. And I always wanted to be a race car driver. Still want to be a race car driver. If anybody wants to help me with that, we can talk. Um, But so I went and joined a Formula One team when, uh, when I was 16 and, you know, try to learn how to be not a driver because I didn't have the talent or the money for that, but mechanic, you know, like if I can't drive them, I can fix them and be part of that world. And I was useless at it. 
I definitely don't have the detail and the precision that some of these incredible engineers have and that I was sort of working with and learning from. But on that journey, you move around the company from the guys who make the parts to the guys who build the engines to the ones who sort of go on tour with the cars and all that kind of good stuff. It's really exciting. But I stumbled into the, the marketing guy's office and it turns out I was actually pretty good at that, even though that wasn't sort of on the main curriculum. So after three years of learning to be an engineer, I ended up going to marketing school instead and leaving Formula One. So that was the first kind of interesting thing that happened. But over the years, I've sort of bounced through every myriad form of marketing. And this will tell you, so sort of lead up to what I do now, but worked in the film industry, the fashion industry, uh, agencies in London, lived in Amsterdam, uh, lived in San Francisco, and now in Atlanta. And what brought me to Atlanta was a Coca-Cola company, which who I think you're probably responsible for at least half the funny accents in, in Atlanta because <laughs> there are some incredible people coming from all over the world to join the company and its headquarters right. down here. It's right in the city. So I ran digital marketing for Coke for three years and got to play with things like the FIFA World Cup in Brazil. But throughout that whole journey, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I always wanted to start my own company. And uh, after leaving Coca-Cola and joining another startup, another sort of technology business with another career, which ended up not working out, I went back to try and get another job in sort of the marketing and the advertising world. My recruiter guy, who has become a really good friend, is like, dude, will you just start this damn company already? Because I'm so tired of hearing you talk about it. And then, and then you ask me to find you a job that sounds like it. There is no job that sounds like it. There is no job that will get you that. So you should really start this company. So that was six years ago. And I now run with two fantastic partners, Local. And Local is a change marketing company, the change marketing company. We have trademarks, that process. And really what change marketing is, is applying everything we know about marketing to hard to reach, highly cultured, highly educated, busy people on the outside with our brands or our products, doing exactly the same thing to highly educated, creative, cultured people on the inside of companies, the employees. So our founding philosophy is that employees are internal customers and you have to treat them with the same care and deference in order that they will live out the strategies or vision that you have crafted as a leader. And in building this company, we've poured everything that we've seen that's wrong in every company that we've been a part of. We poured all that away and try to create a company that does the right things by its people, which I can tell you all about. Yeah, so, so many questions. And it's so interesting because when I hear about marketing and I know that it's such an interesting area, but I know that COVID shifted so many things for so many people and what you thought you knew about marketing tanked. But one of the things that's interesting is you said that it's treating employees like internal clients, um, mm -hmm. which is interesting because you know, we have this massive, um, the resignation movement. The great resignation. The great yes. resignation. Um, I have some theories on that. Yeah. So, okay, great. I'd love to hear that. And so um, this speaks to that because when you're treating people in a certain way, then they're more likely to stay. Yeah. Let's go there. So the same emotional drivers that pull us towards or away from a brand or a product, you know, that I wear Nike sneakers or I drive a particular car or I drink a particular drink are the same things that pull us closer or further away from a particular job or a company or a manager, you know, a direct boss, someone like that. And the great resignation, I've been calling it recently like the great sort of reawakening 
Mm. It's that companies are now realizing, forgive my language, oh shit, we should have taken care of our people <laughs> because there's now this opportunity and they've now realized, they've now been able to sort of put words to the feeling that they've had, which is, you know, by being at home, they've seen how much they are valued or trusted, respected. They've seen how well their company functions or doesn't function, how much impact they have or don't have because they've been removed from that kind of thing that made everybody feel like they were doing something, which is this office. There's some great research. I can't remember the specific source, but it's a proper body of research that tells us that the main reasons that people are leaving companies in the great resignation is not salary, it's value. I don't feel valued by my company. Yeah, I don't feel valued by my boss. Uh, I don't feel respected. We want our days to matter, don't we? That's right. I mean, we, yeah, we, half our waking adult lives we spend working, most of us, you want it to mean something. You want it to feel good, right? And so I want to unpack marketing a little bit because you mentioned, you know, it's kind of got flipped on its head like everything else in the last couple of years. But most people don't really understand what marketing is. They think of advertising. They think of the shiny TV ad at the Super Bowl or something, the thing that comes out of that. That's communication that comes out of marketing. But marketing is actually, I'm going to describe it as sort of a, an orientation, right? So it's a mindset. Marketing is orienting everything you do around your audience instead of the company. They have this philosophy, which a boss of mine taught me, I think at Coca-Cola. If it's good for the company, but not for the customer, it's not good for the company. And so, you know, it's about orienting everything you do around your audience. Now that as a marketer launching a brand or a product, we put it in the context of the lives of our potential customers. This could be you driving this car or living this life, whatever that is. You can also orient everything a company does around employees as an audience. And so that's what marketing does internally. It's a good way of looking at what we've forgotten how to do. The word company is actually the derivation of, I think it's from Latin through French, but it means the communion around bread. People coming together to create, make something that they all share. Most companies don't work like that anymore, Uh, do they? No. No no one in that bread making process is talking about shareholder value. (laughs) You know, as you speak about valuing your clients, trust, empowerment, these are all pillars of leadership, of great leadership. Humble, hopefully, leadership. Oh, oh my gosh. And that's another one. You know, humility um, is very, very connected to wisdom. And if you're not humble, your wisdom isn't going to grow. And if you have someone who's wise, chances are, you know, they, Mm -hmm. they walk in humility. And so this is great stuff because I've never really connected marketing to leadership in this way. And it's very connected. It should be part of that humble, wise leader's toolkit mindset you know so if I orient what I do around my people the people that I lead which means that I'm more likely to care for them I'm more likely to meet their needs guess what they'll then do the things that I need to get done that's right and in an ideal world do those things willingly we talk about this a lot which we call the assumption problem which is let's take the bad leadership path which is why pay you therefore you will to reset that for a leader Think about the paycheck as mandating only one thing, which is attendance. I have bought your time. I bought your presence, right? So on a Zoom call like we are now or in a truck or in an office, that's it. I can't mandate that you believe, care, bring your whole self to the work. You know, you have to earn that by your actions. So now I'm here. Oh, you do care for me. Okay, then I will lean in. Okay, you know, I do see that I'm valued here. Then I will step up. Right. You know, telling someone to do something, well, 
if you're a parent, you know that that doesn't doesn't work. You have to inspire them. Yes. Yeah, right. You know, you mentioned parenting. Parenting has really up leveled my leadership. Yeah, right. Um, my leadership skills because and and your humility. Oh my gosh! Yes. <laughs> Yes, mine too. Mine too. Especially as teenagers, it really does prime your leadership. If you are really tuned in and listen well and understand that you're there to equip, you're there to pave the way to influence. And so that matters. Now, as a lifelong learner, what are you learning right now? Gosh, that's such a good question. Every day as an entrepreneur is a new lesson. You know, what the company looked like Yesterday, it looks different today and then it will look different tomorrow. So I'm trying to learn about the long view, long eyes right now. How do I keep my eyes up so that, yes, we might take little sort of shimmies along our path. Things might go not exactly the way that we want on a day-to-day basis, but are we still moving in the right direction? I think this is a Jeff Bezos quote about Amazon, stubborn on vision, flexible on strategy. That's a long, long eyes view. My job within our little but growing company is mostly growth focused these days. How do we become bigger without losing who we are? Hmm. You know, how, do you grow, how do you grow bigger without losing what made you great in the first place? Because cultural dilution is a real thing. You know, if you go from 20 people to 40 people or 2,000 to 4,000, whatever it is, you know, if you don't keep investing in that, it's going to get weaker and weaker until the point where no one can taste it. You know, it, it, just, it just becomes nothing. So how do we do that? And so the long view is... It takes training not to look at a problem as insurmountable and game-changing, but yeah. look at it as a shimmy on the path where you're trying to go. So that would be one thing. I think that's part of sort of growing up a little bit. When you first start a company, as I'm sure some of the folks listening to this, you know, who are either on this journey or about to, it is day-to-day because you're, you know, it's like trying to keep having a kid. You're trying to keep the baby alive for the first, wow. you know, minutes of its life. But now, you know, when we're, we're both parents of, I have a tween, 12-year-old, oh. you know, it's a long view. How do you guide her to become the adult she wants to become? You can't do that by making every decision for her every minute of every day. And the long view is about trusting people. The long view is about empowering people. The long view is about giving people opportunity. Within that, we've recognized that not many companies do, I don't think. Everyone that works for us is eventually going to leave us, right? That's going to happen, right? Because that's the way the world works. How can we help them get where they want to go as they help us get where we want to go? I love that. Yeah, that's not a natural instinct. You're like, well, how do, how do I keep them? No, it's not how do you keep them? It's how do we get the most out of each other on this journey? And hopefully in doing that, they want to stay around a little bit longer until they've got everything that they can out of it. And the same goes back in the return to us too. But So our sort of learning and development approach is all about what do you want to learn as opposed to what do we need you to learn? Right. It's not a self-throw um, game. It's a win-win game. Right. Everybody wins. Yeah. It's me and you instead of me or you achieving. So, yeah. I love what I'm hearing here. And I'm sure the listeners would like to know how to connect with you, how to tap into your resources. We're just starting out on this journey, really, of telling the story of what we do. You know, we've been heads down building a company for the last, you know, four or five years. So we're starting to get out and tell this story. So, I'll be speaking a lot more of these things and we have a training program around change marketing that's coming out so that how to get anybody who has any kind of role in any company to bring marketing skills into how they lead change specifically. So the center of all this is our company and the website's localindustries.com. Uh, we're on LinkedIn as well, pretty actively there. And it may even be a book. Who knows? Yes. We're, uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're dabbling with that. That's another big journey to take. Do we have a title yet? 
No, but we have a philosophy uh, we're kind of building around, all centered on how you can change your mindset to orient around your people and what does that actually look like. And if you think about culture inside uh, companies, um, there are some fantastic, more learned, smarter people than me who talk about this. But if you sort of boil it all the way down, we would describe it as culture is the thing that's happening when you're not looking as a leader. Okay. So it's created by the people. Now, you can't change that. You can influence it, good or bad. There are examples of both out there in the world in probably everybody's view. So how do you influence it? What tools can I use to maybe sort of foster the right culture so that people do look after each other? Because that's how that works. It's not just one leader trying to look after everybody. You're trying to foster a culture of care, for example. So how do you do that? Um, there's going to be a lot of that sort of storytelling examples and pulling from references in areas that maybe we don't normally go. When you want to learn how to build a better culture in a company, do you look to another company or do you look to a city mm. or a community? These are interesting kind of questions to play with. Interesting. Very interesting. It reminds me of, um, I'm not sure how new this concept is, but it was new to me, quantum mm. leadership, where you're huh. looking at leadership from you know 30,000 feet from a distance, but you're looking at what's around, you're looking at the community, you're looking at the impact on the world globally, what your company, how it impacts the world. And so it's yeah. really interesting. So that reminds me of, of what you're talking about. Okay, so systems thinking, as opposed to, you know, until so you're thinking about that, the connectivity between all things. That's right. And there is. Yeah. There is. Yeah, yeah. And as you grow and learn and mature and invest in yourself and invest in others, you start to see that connectivity that you're talking about. Now, when you think of leadership today, Neil, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? I think what continues to concern me is this assumption problem that I've seen some really bad examples in returning to work, the return to the office of the assumption problem played out in real life. Examples around how beneficial it is to the company that you return to work return to the office as opposed to, yeah, but what about me? Or what about how I'm living? Or examples of leaders who are frustrated with being at home. So we just assume that everybody else is frustrated with being at home. And then, of course, you have really good examples of that. Brian Chesky at Airbnb just announcing the forever policy, and you know, which they're able to do because they designed a company without legacy. They weren't a hundred-year-old American corporation that's trying to become modern. They design themselves without any of those kind of legacy baggage that you have to carry if you're an older company. What am I hopeful about? Um, recently, we've been talking a lot more about the rise of EQ and how leaders are actually recognizing some of the superpowers that people have rather than just the skills. And how if you look inside your company, if you have a decent sized team or company, the answer to any question that you want to ask is probably in there somewhere. You know, the solution to your problem might be sitting next to you. But if you didn't understand that person's, you know, I call them superpowers. So that, that person's kind of, you know, emotional skill set and intelligence rather than just the things that they know how to do, the things that are on their resume. Maybe you never thought to ask that. So I'm seeing, you know, how can leaders actually build a rounded picture of the whole self of each individual? And that also might stop the other thing that continues to concern me, which is, Human capital, human resources, like we've got to stop that, haven't we? These aren't resources. They're individual, creative, passionate human beings who can create and invent things that you maybe haven't even thought of. But if you treat them as resources, you try then to manage and minimize. We put them all into the smallest amount of boxes we can, as opposed to allowing them to be more free and flexible. And, and 
I think that that's the move from human resources to humanity as a discipline is really interesting. Um, when I speak at different events, I always talk about the marriage of marketing and HR as the two people disciplines, the human disciplines. They both exist to understand and engage with human beings. It's just that we do it in really different ways because some of these people work for us and some of these people buy from us. But really, actually, there's a lot of similarities between how you might actually put your arms around the human beings that make the company what it is. You know, the employee experience and customer experience, the EX and CX, which is a big topic in a lot of leadership teams right now. One drives the other. Invest in EX and you get good CX. Employee experience drives customer experience. Yet we design those two things at two far ends of the company instead of bringing them together and thinking of them as a system that fuels and feeds each other. So I'm hopeful for the coming together of the inside and the outside. I'm so hopeful too. It's really elevated because I started this in 2016 with the vision of elevating how leadership occurs. And my space is education and we educate the world. Teachers educate the world. And, and most teachers don't realize that they're leaders, that it's about influence, that it's about raising leaders who do this kind of work. And so it's super important. And I absolutely value this conversation. So I mm. appreciate it. Now, you have an option here. You can take a question from a former guest, or mm -hmm. you can share a challenge or a struggle that you learned from. Uh, a challenge or a struggle that I've learned from, or a question from a former guest. Do I know what that question is? No, you don't. <laughs> let's go for that. Let's go, let's go for the, for the chance yeah. card. So this is an interesting one. John France wants to know, how do we overcome the polarization of America? That's a big Oh, you're asking a Brit? <laughs> so um, how about we kind of bring that back to the employees in companies? Um, Absolutely. Finding things that we share rather than finding things that we disagree on. You'll find that we agree on an awful lot. I think we've stopped doing something that, that I think we maybe used to be better at. We've stopped listening. Yes. No one listens to anybody anymore. Another old, incredibly talented mentor and boss of mine used to say, we have uh, two ears and one mouth for a reason. You should use them in that ratio. And I think that that's a code to live by. We don't listen to anyone. We don't seek to understand our neighbors. We don't seek to understand our employees. And as a leader, you know, any leader, you should spend more time listening to your people than you do talking at your people. You shouldn't talk at your people at all. But we don't do that. You know, we show up, we, we say the thing we want to say, and then we leave. And then we wonder why those who we see as different from us, those who are polarized, don't immediately come along and say, oh, no, okay, you're right, I'll come with you. You didn't seek to understand their situation, the world that they're living in, what they need. You didn't put it into context for them. Now, actually, you might want the same thing, but if you just say it from your point of view, you're asking them to do all the work. You're asking them to decode what you said, reapply it to their lives, and then make the decision positively to agree with you. Do the work. If I bring my marketing lens on this, marketing is the orientation around your audience. Okay, so in order to orient, you have to understand them. And then you have to put the thing you want them to understand into context that matters to them. You have to make it mean something for them. And I think that actually we're not as far apart as we think we are, but we haven't sought to do the work to create the context. And I think that's the same for leaders and employees is you won't get me on politics because I'm a guest here but um, if we just shut up for a minute it would be a really good thing wouldn't it right 
part of the reason I started this too was because I needed to learn to listen a little more. And I'm still learning. It's amazing how deep you can listen and learn to listen. So what are some things that we can begin to do besides, you know, be quiet to Mm -hmm. listen better? So um, this is a real favorite topic of mine. My wife and I have moved 13 times in 20 years together in four cities in three countries. Right? We, and each time you move, you end up in a new neighborhood or a community. And so you want to make friends, particularly if you've moved from Amsterdam to San Francisco. Right? There's a long journey and you don't sort of arrive in the city and go, oh, I know 25 people. Here. It's like, you know, maybe, you know, one. And so you get invited into someone's home for a drink or, you know, to a dinner party or something. And the rule is very simply this. Ask questions and listen and respond. Now, we've proven you can go through a whole long conversation, asking questions, listening, agreeing, fueling somebody else's story. And you don't end up actually telling them anything about yourself. And they think you're amazing. (laughs) Like, they're such nice people. It's like, well, just because they listen. You are absolutely right. (laughs) So, So if you sort of explode that back to the world of leadership and employees, a great leadership habit would be to take an amount of time each day or each week and go and just listen go and either formally or informally just talk to people but listen don't go and tell them your theories on everything go and ask a question i was listening to a podcast just this morning about atomic habits so i think it's james clear i think that's james clear forgive me if i've got that wrong and he was talking about the most important element of creating a habit is the first two minutes so it's very hard to create a habit of running but if you have a habit of getting out of bed and putting your running sneakers on is the first thing that you do chances are you're going to run a bit more, right? And then going out the door, you know? So what if in the first two minutes you have your one question, you ask that question and then you've automatically given the microphone to the other person and you're listening. And then if you're really smart, you will take in and take notes about what you're hearing and find trends and themes, which will make your questions better. And also will give you insight that maybe you didn't have to make you a better leader as you go about your role. So the thing I want people to, the listeners of this podcast to remember is to listen more. There you go. That was cheesy, but right. (laughs) Spot on. And now, Neil, as a listener of this podcast, what's a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? Like, what are you curious about? What am I curious about? Um, There's many, but I'm a huge believer that people don't follow rules or policies. They follow people. And the most impactful version of that is not a leader telling an employee something. It's employees telling each other, peer to peer. So I guess the question in in there is, how can you foster peer to peer communication? How can you help your employees talk to each other about what's happening in the company to further the mission of the company? Rather than it's leader to employees, it's this ecosystem of conversation and communication that happens between the individuals and I've not seen it done well but it is a huge opportunity when we create work for clients we often end up putting you know employee story as the lead hey mm-hmm. you know I'll be really clumsy but what the company wants and what you want is this this is Jeff Jeff's doing this be like Jeff you know that's kind of what you're saying right. so yeah. how can you create mechanisms and enable your people to communicate better with each other is a fascinating question that we're grappling with right now. And how do you be comfortable when they're doing that? I love this question. I've never had anybody ask it. So 
Beautiful. <laughs> All right. So is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? I mean, we've covered so much today. It's more just a reminder, really, that this thing, marketing, that we're talking about is so misunderstood. And whatever role that you have, you'll always be better enabled to succeed if you think about the person that you're doing the work for. Think about the person you're trying to reach. We're all trying to reach someone with something. And so I would urge anybody in any sphere of, of work to start to read or listen or learn or talk to people with marketing in their title, not to become a marketer, but to grab a little bit of some of that kind of audience people mindset, people first mindset, so that when you're starting to think about whatever it is you're doing, you always start with, okay, who am I talking to? Mm. How do they feel? And you'll be surprised in what you learn when you actually apply that mindset. When you start to put together the presentation that you're making, that you're going to give to a town hall or you know, the email that you're going to write that's going to go to all hands, if you understood your people, you might write it differently. You might say it differently. So my desire is that marketing becomes a horizontal tool that everybody uses everywhere rather than a vertical discipline, a mindset, a people first mindset. That's what I would love. Um, love it. So, yeah. And you can find that, you know, you'd have to listen to me about marketing. There's some incredibly smart folks who understand this better than me. So you can seek it out in lots of places. Yes, I love it. Now, I can't help but notice that sign behind you. And as a marketer, I'm not sure if, if that's just the British in you. Or... What does it say? Can you read it? It's saying opening hours and then it's Monday closed, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all closed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So um, I'm speaking to you from my little lair here at home. Um, and I collect many different things. I'm a nerd. I collect cars and toys and all kinds of different things. So this is an artist called David Trigley. He's a Scottish artist. I have a few of his pieces. But in this particular place, that's it works really well, but I'm not going to put it on the door of my office. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I really appreciate this conversation. You've added so much value to me and to our listeners. Thank you so much, Neil. Lily, it's been uh, so much fun. I, I wish you all the very best as you continue to do these. It's, it's really, really good work. And I hope that we get to talk again. Yes, that would be great. Have a great day. Yes, you too. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.